as we say good afternoon and welcome here on this Tuesday. It is March the 1st. Hi there and welcome to those of you listening in Toronto on 640 Toronto, in London on 980 CFPL, in Hamilton on 900 CHML. And yes, it is March 1st, brand new month. You know, I saw this on the way in this morning online, and I hope this is true. Uh, less than 500 hours until the first day of spring. Right? Isn't that good? Right? Okay, the countdown is on. I know it sounds like a lot of time, but less than 500 hours, and with every passing hour, it's one hour less, until we get finally to the first day of spring. Now, coming up this afternoon, continuing coverage, of course, on the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the UN General Assembly meeting today, reports that Canada has actually walked out, walked out of the UN as Russia addressed the General Assembly. We'll have more on that and all of this admits reports that Russia has been targeting civilians and using banned weapons as shelling continues in some of Ukraine's largest cities. Momentarily, we will hear from Global's Abigail Beeman, who is in Ottawa on the latest moves by the Canadian government when it comes to the ongoing invasion of Ukraine. Meanwhile, Ontario bringing an end to most major public health measures today, which includes, of course, that proof of vaccination requirement. No longer required, no longer needed. Proof of COVID-19 vaccination no longer required at most Ontario restaurants, gyms, and movie theaters. And remaining capacity limits for uh, nightclubs and larger spectator venues such as Scotiabank Arena. Raptors will play in front of a full house tonight against Brooklyn, Brooklyn sorry, for the first time in a long time. So a lot going on here uh, today when it comes to uh, COVID and public health measures uh, and restrictions being lifted or removed. For more on all of this, let's welcome in infectious diseases expert. Here's Dr. Suman Chakrabarty, who joins us now on this Tuesday. Doctor, good afternoon. Afternoon, Jeff. All right. Uh, first off, uh, let's get your take, if we could, on the removal of that proof of vaccine requirement. It's been dropped as of today. Uh, any concern over that? No, and, and you know, and you and I have spoken about this uh, uh, previously as well. I think this is something that could have actually been dropped a while ago. You know, the long and short of it is that we have seen, uh, unfortunately, as awesome as the vaccine is, it doesn't do a really good job of preventing transmission, especially in the long run. So, you know, having the difference between these two uh, situations and keeping people who are unvaccinated out of a public space no longer has scientific rationale behind it. So I'm glad that it was lifted, though it probably could have been done earlier. Okay, if there's no scientific rationale, is that because, and maybe we could get your doctor to explain that a little further, because from what I've read, uh, what I've heard, and through conversations with yourself and others, is that if you are fully vaxxed, I mean, you can still transmit and get the virus, but you are overwhelmingly protected from hospitalization, and it's really the unvaccinated that's carrying the, the greatest risk uh, to their health, so that's why this proof of uh, vaccine, this requirement is no longer really needed? That's right. And I think that uh, for us to remember that there probably is some uh, protection early on, although that's questionable with Omicron. But as time goes on and the immunity of that part wanes, while the, the protection against severe disease is still there, that against minor disease and the ability to transmit is now gone. And Omicron has really broken through a lot of those barriers. And the other thing that's really important to remember is we just had a massive Omicron wave go through here. So even people who have not been vaccinated have had a pretty significant chance of being exposed to Omicron. 
and post-infectious immunity is quite uh, uh, robust as well. So overall, we're in a much different situation than we were before, and I think that the uh, passport at this point in time has uh, gone past its expiry date. I'm glad to see it go. Okay, so all of that that you just mentioned, Dr. Chakrabarty, is that your advice? Is that what people should keep in mind who might be feeling a little trepidatious, a little hesitant right now about going back into a uh, restaurant, a gym, or a movie theater where there is no proof of vaccination requirement? Yes. I, what I will say, I get that people are uh, nervous about it. Uh, but one thing I will say, is I think that if you're going into a place that has uh, a vaccine passport, or at least did have one, and the goal is you want to be around people who you think aren't going to transmit to you, then that was a false sense of security. Because certainly we do see, especially on a broad scale, you can still get COVID from somebody in a public place if they're vaccinated. The point is, though, just to remember that the vaccine provides excellent protection against severe disease. It's not zero. The chance is not zero to get severe disease, but it's significantly reduced. And this is something that we're going to have to have a trade-off with over the next uh, uh, you know, uh, several years is that we have to have a personal risk assessment. Everybody's will be different, but it's important for us now to start moving to the post-pandemic uh, uh, phase. And to that point, not only have we dropped the proof of vaccination requirement, but also full capacity in many venues, including Scotiabank Arena, I mentioned just uh, moments ago. Raps will take on the Nets tonight. And Dr. Chakrabarty, I think a full sporting arena, that is probably for a lot of people going to be a real signpost, if you will, that uh, we have turned a bit of a corner here, that uh, we are getting closer and closer to a return to whatever normal is going to look like. But is there any concerns uh, here as well, uh, looking at an arena full of, say, 20,000 people later tonight? Listen, we had that before. Don't forget, uh, you know, I, uh, when they lifted it back, I believe it was October, we had full arenas. And uh, you may remember we had that Delta wave here in Ontario, and it was actually a wavelet. And a lot of that had to do with the amount of accrued immunity on the ground, both vaccination, but also people who have been exposed and both. So I get it. Look, we haven't seen this in a while, and we haven't seen it in a prolonged way. But we have to remember our goal here is not to stop all transmission we're in a much different situation than we were before. And remember, the highest risk people over the age of 60, more than 95% of them in Ontario have been vaccinated. And I think overall, it's like 90% of eligible adults. So I think we're in a much better spot, not zero risk, but I think one at this point is, uh, is uh, important for us to undertake. Since you mentioned vaccination rates, let me ask you a little more about that, because as of yesterday, just over 92.5% of us in this province, 12 and older, have received at least one dose of the vaccine. 90.5% have received two doses. I mean, those are great. Those are fantastic numbers. Do we need to really kind of zero in, focus in on the third dose and get a better uptake on the booster shot? I think that we do, but for targeted populations. I think that it's unquestionable when you look at uh, the data, the people that um, get the best uh, benefit from that are those over the age of 70 and with significant um, immune compromising conditions, maybe over the age of 60 as well. The reason is that third dose was one that uh, provides you with that robust primary response that protected you against the severe outcomes. People who are otherwise healthy and younger than that get that with two doses. But I think another important thing for us to remember is we just had a massive wave of Omicron, and that in itself has exposed a lot of people and given post-infectious immunity. So I think, you know, if you're immune compromised, if you're older, I think it is important to get the booster. 
I do think, though, for any further widespread types of recommendations, what, what have you, uh, whether it's a lockdown, restriction, a vaccination, we really need to have data behind it, and that's being collected as we speak. Okay, just finally, a Premier Ford hinting yesterday at lifting mask mandates, maybe later this month, as soon as that. Uh, let's have a listen. We'll wait for his advice and recommendations, and once he gives the recommendations, uh, we'll, we'll be able to move forward. Uh, what I'm hearing over, over the next few weeks, maybe after March break, when the kids get back, but we'll, we'll see. I don't want to set a date. Um, you know, and There's no secret. There's no per- person I talk to likes these masks. No one likes them, but... Uh, I'm going to follow the advice, and we aren't, we aren't far away. All right, there's a Premier Ford. Your take on this, Dr. Chakrabarty, do we need to seriously start looking at uh, lifting the masking mandate? Yes, and I think that we have to remember that a lot of what we're thinking about is in Ontario, but if you look around the world, many places have have uh, lifted the mask, uh, and many places like the U.K., even though they've done it, they've been relatively well since uh, you know July of last year. So uh, this is, I understand that people would be trepidatious about this. It's been two years with this as part of our, our pandemic uniform. Uh, if the mandate's lifted, that doesn't mean you have to stop wearing your mask. I suspect many will, and nobody should be shamed for it. But I think the point is that in terms of the overall need for masks, especially where we are in the pandemic with levels of immunity on the ground, and our goal that we're not trying to stop all transmission, I think it, it's reasonable to remove the mask mandate and change it to a recommendation. Yeah, just finally, Doctor, for those that have become comfortable with the mask, it's become part of, as you just mentioned there, your pandemic uh, uniform. If you want to continue wearing the mask, uh, what sort of protection does that provide you on an ongoing basis, not only against COVID, but, you know, we've seen obviously flu rates come down tremendously the last couple of years. Maybe a lot of that is due to the fact that there's been so much uh, social distancing and people not congregating in public places and in offices and such. But uh, if you do continue to wear the mask, does that provide you overall with a uh, extra layer of protection uh, when it comes to not only COVID, but the flu and other things? It does. I will say one thing. I think the flu being down is a little bit more complicated than that. It's not from the masking because even in places that haven't masked and have been wide open, we haven't seen a lot of flu. So interesting viral dynamics but yeah i think that it certainly does provide some protection though even uh, now it's uh, questionable how much with omicron uh, uh, given how um, transmissible it is but i will say one thing that uh, you know it's a personal risk assessment everybody can make you have to remember that being not exposed to viruses especially for children may not necessarily be a good thing because that's kind of how our immune system uh, strengthens itself so right. i think you have to kind of think about the trade-offs But, uh, yes, it's going to provide you with some sort of protection. It's hard to know how much. All right. Dr. Chakrabarty, great chatting as always. Thanks so much. You got it. Take care. All right. You too. Infectious diseases expert Dr. Suman Chakrabarty with us. And we're back after a quick break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.